So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament book of Hosea. Okay? If you can find Daniel, it's right near there. If you go by Micah and stuff like that, you've gone too far. It's right at the end almost of the Old Testament. The Old Testament book of Hosea, chapter 3, is where we're going to start at. Well, I'm going to read chapter 1 to begin with, but the focus will be chapter 3. So just find the book of Hosea. And, and guys, just in case you don't know, today is the 12th. No, it's the 13th. Yes, it is the 13th of what month? February. So what's tomorrow? Valentine's Day. Don't forget it, guys. Doghouse bound you will be, promise you, if you don't. So don't forget that. So consequently today, if you know anything about the story of Jose and Gomer, you know it's a story of the most special kind of love that God is showing Hosea the prophet and he's showing the uh, nation of Israel and he'll show us today that God's love is not just a passion, but it is a promise, okay? So Hosea, we'll start with a verse or chapter 1. I'll get the context going, but, the con but it'll be in threes where I stay most of my time. So Hosea chapter 1. Starting with verse 2, in the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the, word, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and a children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Okay? So God instructs Hosea to marry but he actually foretells of his wife's unfaithfulness. Don't read that and say that he picked her out of a house of prostitution and married her. That is not what that says. There's nothing that tells in the beginning that she was unfaithful, though she will be unfaithful. That's what that verse said. Okay? So, there's nothing that says he started out that way. In fact, her first, and I'll get to that in a minute, her firstborn has named with Hosea, and the other two are questionable. So anyway, keep that in mind. In Hosea, really the word whoredom that is generated into the English language refers to a marriage being unfaithful. Now, marriage can be unfaithful at many levels. Somebody nod, you know what I'm saying? At many levels. It's not just got, it, it doesn't just have to be the physical layer. It can be the emotional layer. It can be the monetary. It can be a lot of different layers that uh, a marriage can be unfaithful to each other. Okay? But because of that metaphor, the whoredom is sort of the metaphor, if you will, for what Israel's unfaithfulness at this point in time will be for her Lord, which would represent the husband. So this, this story is an amazing story. I, I challenge you, it's sort of long, but really the gist of it's going to be between Hosea chapter 1 and 4. The, the, the meat of what I'm talking about is, is located in this four, those four chapters, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it. So if you, if you would, just go back and read it as your homework and sort of see the, the global picture. I'll sort of give highlights of it without having to read everything to kind of understand what's going on. We should, and again, we shouldn't think 
of Gomer, the wife he, that he's going to marry, as al already being promiscuous. Okay, she wasn't that way in the beginning. Okay. And just as the children of Israel loved God in the beginning, they have periodically through the Old Testament is repleted with times they have went astray. Okay? So this is also the same time that we see here in Hosea. The tragedy of Hosea is the tragedy, is the tragedy of a marriage that began well, but went bad, okay? And so it was with the Lord in Israel at the beginning, and then things went awry or bad. So now, that's a little bit of the background, so let's get to the focal verse. It'll be chapter 3, verse 1 of Hosea. Now, I made a, a heading over this, and it says, Love is a promise, okay, that endures. Okay? Love is a promise that endures. Hosea chapter 3 now, the focal verse, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, this is Hosea talking, Go yet, love a woman beloved by, of her friend, yet in adulteress, according to the love of the Lord, towards the children of Israel who took her, who looked to other gods and loved flagons, of wine. So the timing. Let me give you a little bit of what's happening in Hosea 2. The word then really reminds us that it took place after Hosea had married Gomer. That's in chapter 2, kind of the beginning of chapter 2. You can go read that for yourself later. He had confronted Gomer with her infidelity. He had issued an ultimatum. All this is in chapter 2. He gave her, he offered an, an ultimatum for her to give, give up her affairs or leave. Okay, that, you'll see all that in chapter 2. Y'all go back and read that for um, homework. And he backed it up with the ultimatum by letting her go and cutting off everything to do with her. You see that in chapter 2. It's important to remember that Hosea didn't take these steps in anger. And he didn't take them in steps of revenge. Okay, he didn't do that because in his, it was a loving but a confident response to a serious problem in a relationship. If you read there, you will see that Hosea wanted to take her back. But he says, if you got to go, if you're going to stay, you're going to do this, this, and this. And if you're going to go, then go. But no, I'm not going to support you and have you as taking care of you as you are if you were with me. So Hosea didn't try to hang on to Gomer by overlooking her affairs, by manipulating her with guilt, or any other empty threats. I think this is a real important uh, message we need to get through this story. He simply said to her, I want you to stay, but if you want to go, you can go. But if you want to stay, you've got to have some understanding. Take whatever steps is necessary to end the affairs. And if you want to go, again, you may go. But I want you to know that I'm not giving up on you. 
but I'm willing to give you up to what you want to be. Now, in a very real sense, that is the love of God to us as well. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking it's not. The verse clearly indicates that Hosea didn't take steps in this reading that I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. He didn't, in the beginning, take the steps of restoration until Gomer became broken and reached a point of brokenness. You cannot be saved until you see the love of Christ in your life. The, the, the age-old um, talk around the table at a regular pastor's conference would be, how do you convince people in this day and time that they're truly lost in order to present the gospel to them as good news? So this is a, a, a wonderful example in Hosea, okay? She had to hit the bottom before she actually looked up, if you know the story, okay? It probably was a passage of time between chapters 2 and 3. There's no reason to think it was like a morning and a night. It was, there was some time, might even have been months or years, I don't know. But there was some time between the time Gomer left, okay? Like the younger son in the parable, Gomer had to reach the end of the road before she could see the value of returning home, and you see that in Hosea. It's interesting that the terms of God's command to Hosea, he said, Although I believe that Gomer was inwardly broken, outwardly her condition was the same. He said that in verse 1 of chapter 3. Yet in adultery, she was still there, in other words. Okay? Most likely, though, Gomer probably no longer enjoyed that condition. Again, you have to understand, in that day and time, she was not a free agent. I know that's contrary to what women's lib is today and all that, but she was, as we're going to see, somebody bought her. She was slaving to somebody. We're going to see that in a little while. She left out her promiscuous life, led to whatever the series of events had to be, but she got in over her head and somebody owned her, literally as a slave, okay? But, so, so probably in this, this time of chapter 3, Gomer probably was getting really skimmish about what was going on. She, she didn't like she was at, but she never attempted to return to Hosea. And there's two reasons for that, and listen close. Listen close, there's two reasons. One, maybe she couldn't, Okay? She had already sunk so low that she no longer had that free choice, i.e., I'm a slave now. Okay? Because oh, oh, uh, Hosea's going to have to buy her back, so we know she's a slave. Number two is maybe she didn't know she could return. She had maybe gone so far that she couldn't return. But let me, let me kind of say something on the sideline of this. If anybody within the sound of my voice, is toying with the idea of salvation, with toying and curious about what Jesus said in the Bible, and just want to make sure, not really sure if they believe it or not, that's not the ideal place, but that's not the worst place to be in the world. Okay? 
We're not, but she may have this, this, this. She didn't know that she could return. So much time had passed. She had sinned so greatly that she couldn't imagine Hosea taking her back. Y'all, that is the gospel 101 for us. We have sinned so bad against the holy God that how could he love somebody like me? That's from Satan, by the way. But she could have felt one of those two ways. So Hosea, kind of like after the manner of God for us, was to show Gomer that a relationship that he promised her was still possible by going and getting her back. Okay? And at the end of verse verse 1 of chapter 3 is, According to the love of the Lord. God told Hosea, he said, go get her back. Bring her back. She's ready now. Go get her. To understand this kind of love, we must understand the source. And the source is God. Now, in America today, you can almost get a divorce in the fast lane, if you will. You can almost ride by and just punch a ticket and be out of a marriage. So we, as human beings on earth, play loose and fancy with love, right? But I want to tell you, on the authority of God's Word, He doesn't play like that. Somebody should say amen. (laughs) He doesn't play like that. He has got... The love for you that he has set in his heart, if you're a child of God, you can't do anything to break it, unlike marriages today. Why is that? Well, for one thing, our marriages and what we call love in in this day and time is more of a feeling, right? I've got that fuzzy feeling for her, you know. I've got, she makes goosebumps on that kind of stuff, you know. That's good. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to be happy. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But those of us that are saved, if you're honest with yourself, do you think you were putting the heebie-jeebies or the fuzzy-wuzzies on God when he saved you? No. Just the opposite. We were dead in our sins, right? We were unlovely. We were unfaithful. Okay, So the love we're talking about that God shows Gomer through Hosea is a picture of God's love to us. Right? The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Not that we cleaned up and said that we were, okay, I'm, I'm cleaned up, I can go to church today. I've, I've quit this, I had not done that as often in, in a in a kick that one out of the house. I I think I can go to church today. No. But you come as you are, you should leave with a changed heart. That will be power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Christ died for us. Okay? He didn't wait till we come crawling back to Him before He reached out to us. It's the picture, if you will, you know, you see a lot of pictures of, of Jesus reaching down to, to get Peter out of the water when he was walking on water and he, and he went down in it. You see a lot of photos of him reaching down. The truth of the matter is, 
Peter was only reaching up because he was drowning. But the picture should be is a picture of, of God himself holding me and I'm just limp and I can't do no better. That's him holding on to us. And there's a big difference. A big difference. Jesus told the disciples that no man, principality or powers of hell, can take a child of mine away from my hand. He said, whoever the Father gives me, no man can take him out. That is the eternal security of a believer. Okay? Gomer hadn't got there yet. Instead, Gomer did what Jesus does. He, what did Jesus say his job on earth was? To seek and save the lost, right? To seek out. So Homer was in a fix. She was in a fix. Hosea comes to get her. Shows up. He showed really, think about it, how low he could get and how low you have to fall before you lift up your eyes and see the hope of Jesus, the hope of the cross. It is nothing, again, to do with feelings, but it is a promise. Okay? And it all started in the Garden of Eden. You go back to Genesis and read it. It was a promise of redemption laid out for Adam and Eve and for us since the beginning of time. Okay? We are, by nature, unlovely, unlovable, and yet God loves us, right? God is the one who teaches us that love is a promise not a passion. Don't ever forget that. Okay? Love is a promise. It endures. God's love endures. But Hosea had to buy her back. This is in verse 2 of Hosea 3. Hosea chapter 3, verse 2. So I bought her to me with 15 pieces of silver and an homer of barley, and a half homer of barley. Okay? So we see in verse 2 that in order for Hosea to get Gomer back, it had to cost him something. Okay? The record of the exact cost is important, and I'm going to show you why in just a minute. Hosea paid to buy his wife back 15 shekels of silver, and one and a half homers of barley. All right? The Old Testament tells us it. Look me up and find and make sure I'm right after this. The Old Testament has established a price of a slave as 30 shekels of silver. Just as a side note, what was Jesus betrayed for? 30 pieces of silver. Okay. So we know that 30 pieces of silver is significant in the Bible. It was the cost to buy a slave. Sort of like a stamp. Everybody's that cost. So one homer is equal to 10 ephrons, okay? And one and a half ephrons is, fi one and a half homers is 15 ephrons. You following me so far? The normal price of barley was one shekel per ephron. So it works out to exactly... 30 pieces of silver. But it also represents probably everything he had. 
What does John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Homer was bought back by Hosea within, very likely by the way it was spelled out in the Bible, everything he had. Everything. So it's a total sacrifice that Hosea had to make to get Gomer back. Just as the cross is a total sacrifice for your souls and for mine. Okay? Imagine the Hosea, Hosea's sacrifice communicated to Gomer. She comes home. She comes back. There's nothing. The cupboards are bare. His pockets are empty. There's nothing. But he's rescued her from slavery. It told Gomer that she was more important than anything he possessed and at the same time, everything he possessed. That's love. That's love. So we've told and we've talked about love not being based upon a character, a charm, or charisma, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment. And it told Gomer that she could expect more of the same in the days to come. We'll see this as we read. But let me jump over to the New Testament real quick. Let me just read something out of Romans chapter 8, just one verse, verse 32. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he says that he did not spare his only son, but delivered him up for us all. Talking about Jesus. How shall we not with him also freely give you all things? That was Paul talking to the church at Rome. You know, we don't have to earn God's love. We don't. We don't have to earn it because we can't earn it. He loves. And you want to know, preacher, that just makes no sense. I know myself, why would anybody that that knows me better than my spouse or my would-be spouse or my friend or my parents. There's nobody that knows you better than God knows you, whether you're saved or not. It doesn't matter. He knows you. How can that be true? One word, Calvary. Pure love hanging on a tree, Calvary. Yet the only sacrifice that mattered is the one God made upon the cross, right? The cross alone indicates the value, how valuable you are before a holy God. 
All right, we're going to see it in verse 3 now. We're still in Hosea 3. Love is a promise that secures. Let's continue to read. This is verse 3. This is Hosea writing in the first person. He says, and I said to her, this is Hosea saying, thou take abide with me many days. In other words, you're here now, girl. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. If you think about it, Hosea was really renewing his wedding vows. That's basically what wedding vows say, right? He was saying, you're coming home, and you will live with me for many days. Everything you need, you will find in me. He says, I'm going to take care of you. Okay? You won't have to go outside of this relationship to find love, acceptance, or worth, or anything else. He says, I will be for thee. He said, I'm going to be that for you. Hosea's solution to Gomer's shameful past was to give her a brand new start in marriage. Think about it. That's the promise of a new creature in Christ, as we all are. We're to walk in the newness of life because God saved us. He was telling her that the past didn't matter. Uh, I think Casting Crown has a song out a long time ago said, East and West. He's casted as far as the East and West. You know, we, we have a tendency to remember, don't we? Ladies, you need to be nobbing because I, I, know, I know you ladies remember better than us guys do. We tend to just to forget. But ladies remember. Y'all were good at that. Y'all remember. God doesn't remember. Does he literally forget? No. That's not part of it. He doesn't all of a sudden become brain dead and say, oh, she's just so precious. No. That's not it. He doesn't count it to on our part because of blood. The debt has been paid on Calvary. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, that was forevermore the payment for sin, past and present. Okay? He alone was going to be the source for Gomer, for her security and her relationship, just as Christ alone is our security as believers. God really wants us to be dependent upon Him in every kind of need we have. Most people tend to, to have God as like a little little box they pull out and they bring it in like a genie. They rub it when they want something. That's not God. God can meet all your needs. The Bible says according to His riches, His glorious riches that's found in Jesus Christ. So He tells us that we are accepted and beloved he tells us that we are new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That is us as believers. He tells us that we don't have to go to the outside of anything for a relationship with Him. It is sealed. We need to cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for us. But we're supposed to leave it. How many times have people come up to the altar or prayed to God about a situation? It might be a child. It might be just something. Whatever it is. But then as soon as they get up from praying, they pick up that concern and take it back with them. Right? 
We're supposed to leave it there because he cares for us. We are to walk in a newness of life, not in the shame of our past. We went through that this whole year so far in the other sermons. There are things to remember. There are things we should retain, and there's things we ought to forget. But he alone is to be our source of security and our relationships to him. And again, we're not hanging on to him. He is literally hanging on to you. And if you can get that digested and get your head around what that actually means, that can really bring you up from beating up yourself so much. He says, Homer said to Gomer, I will be for thee. The Bible says that I will be for thee, those who are mine. Okay? So although, if you read the whole 13 or so Chapters of Hosea, you won't really hear the end of the, of the, of the marriage. It kind of goes away after four. They don't talk about it a whole lot. But let me read a little bit more. These are verses four and five still in Hosea chapter three. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephon, and without a teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, this is a prophetic passage. In other words, it's pointing forward. So in light of verses 4 and 5, it sort of infers. I believe that, that Hosea and Gomer finally had a good relationship after that. I sort of... Seem, seems that way to me. God says to his people that for many days they will live without an outward symbol of their relationship to him. They will be driven out of the land, deprived of their king, their temple, and their access to God. Essentially, it would look like the relationship would be over, beyond repair. But what Gomer, what Hosea did for Gomer... God is also doing for Israel, okay? He's going to bring them home. He pledged himself to it, and it still hasn't happened yet. That's why I said it's still in the future. Verse 5 makes it clear that there will be a complete restoration of the nation of Israel. God is not slack on his promises. It will happen. It has yet to happen, but it will happen. One day, Israel is going to get a brand new start in their relationship with God. Let me read something else in Romans. This is Romans chapter 11. You might want to uh, keep this, verses 25 and 27, and, and read around it. Paul says this, For I know not, brethren, that we should be ignorant of this mystery. This is Paul kind of laying what I'm, what I'm talking about out to the church at Rome. Lest ye should be wise in your own deceits, that blindness in part is happening to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That's good news to us. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. For there shall come out of Zion a deliverer, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. 
For this is my covenant with them when I shall take away their sins. There will be a day in the future that Israel is restored completely. And the Lord will do it. He can restore by the Lord. We can become as believers today because we're part of that Gentile until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Y'all, that's us. I don't know if anybody in here is Jews. That is us. So People always say if you look at just at the Old Testament that, that God is just for the Jews. He hasn't left His Jews. He hasn't changed His mind. But because His love extends, because of John 3.16, it didn't say for God so loved the Jews that He gave His own. It didn't say that. What? God so loved the world. And back then there were two people, Jews and then everybody else. They were called Gentiles. So we're part of everybody else. Okay? Because of the finished work of the cross... We can become, in the eyes of Jesus, just as a virgin spotless before a holy God. That's what His wrapping His righteousness around us does for us as believers. He can and will restore the nation of Israel and all the Gentiles that want to go with him, that he calls. And that's us. So I want you to leave with this thought. Love. Is it a passion? Or is it a promise? God's love is a promise. Our love Long ways down from that. I won't go off into this, but one thing that when the religious leaders were trying to trip up Jesus, they asked him about which of the Ten Commandments was the, uh, you know, the one he wanted to amplify. And he said this, he says, You are to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you're to love yourself, your neighbors, as yourself. Think about that. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here looking at this wonderful example, this almost unbelievable example of the love Hosea had for Gomer, Lord, it's just, just a small picture of your love for us. Just a small. Lord, I pray that we understand that truth. Lord, that we bow beneath that truth. And Lord, that we can leave here and know that we are loved unconditionally by the creator and the sustainer of the world. What a way to go. We love you, Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. All God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Amen.